0: You are listening to How to Rewrite Your Stars, the podcast that is all about helping you to change those stubborn patterns that seem as firm as the constellations in the sky. Here, you'll find people just like you, sharing their stories of triumph, courage, and hope. How they were able to rewrite the stars in their own life. This is the show for you if you've been looking for that person who overcame whom you can relate to, or if you're looking for the tools to be able to change your own story. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, a life coach and mentor who's been working on self mastery since I was nine years old. Join me now as I welcome another phenomenal guest to have them share their story with us today. Today's episode is sponsored by Starlight Mentoring. Hello, welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars this week, joined by Leah Horton. Did I get your name there right? You did. Awesome, (laughs) glad to have you on. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher. And Leah is a certified master health and life coach specializing in helping women get off the diet roller coaster for good. Using the principles of intuitive eating, she empowers women to find their food freedom, love their bodies, and redefine what health means to them. Well, sounds like we're gonna have an excellent conversation here. I love a couple of those things in your bio, getting off the diet roller coaster and you know, intuitive eating.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, I think like most uh, entrepreneurs, we find ourselves in um, the field that we need for ourselves the most. And so I was that woman that uh, struggled with dieting and over exercising, um, you know, my weight was always a struggle. Ups and downs. Don't really have a, didn't really have a healthy relationship with food at all. And uh, when I discovered intuitive eating, and it like completely changed my life. I was like, oh my god, I have to tell everybody about this. Like this is amazing. So that's how mm-hmm. I kind of landed in this work.
2: <laughs>
0: awesome. Yeah, it makes me think of growing up. I was just on a seafood diet.
2: Mm -hmm. I
0: seafood, I eat it.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And
0: then I got married, and my wife would just buy ice cream all the time. Like it was, if there was not ice cream in the freezer, there was a problem. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And being the amazing wife that she was after every single dinner, maybe not a couple times a week, maybe, but after every single dinner, there was a bowl of ice cream. And growing up, okay, get you growing up, we were usually lucky to get two scoops of ice cream it was a really really awesome day if you got three but it was not uncommon to get one scoop of ice cream and she'd come over with like two and a half three scoops and I'm like this is a lot okay <laughs> yeah. and
2: then, you
0: know things happened and didn't really do anything and then I just started working at a job back in February that the owner was like, Hey, if you will commit to going three times a week to the gym, I'll pay for your membership. I'm like, sold, let's go. (laughs) And so I go to the gym, get that free hour consultation. They usually give and they run their in body scanner thingy on me. And it comes out with the results. And it's like, you are currently comprised of 24% body fat. I'm like, hello, what? (laughs) What because <laughs> if you were to see a picture of me, you would never guess I'm six foot two ish and you know decently active, and you would never guess by looking at me because I just have that much size to be able to hide all the fat. And so I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so it was about that time that I'm like, Let's stop the seafood diet and let's go on a me food diet. It's good for me, I eat it. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Instead of if I seafood, I eat it. If it's good for me, I eat it. I like that bit. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's anything like intuitive eating. Maybe it is.
1: Um yeah, I mean it is. The the idea around intuitive eating is basically that we're breaking up with diet mindset where, you know, in diet mindset is like, you're following a plan. It tends to be very restrictive. Like I'm not allowed to have any sugar or carbs are bad. Or, you know, you hear about keto and paleo and Atkins and Weight Watchers and like counting calories and being really dogmatic about what we're eating and intuitive eating takes a different approach in like Learning to trust your body to tell you when you're hungry, um, and be able to honor that need and stop when you're full. So not right. eating just to eat, right? The bowls it's of ice cream after dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of cleaning your plate mentality, um, and choosing foods that make you feel good, right? So our body tells us what foods it likes. the The problem we kind of run into with diet stuff is that one person or diet or whatever, will say that something is bad and it may be something that doesn't work for somebody, but it might be great for somebody else. So I often use the analogy of like carbs are very villainized (laughs) in our culture right now. And somebody that um, maybe has like celiac disease or something, um, obviously can't do, or if they have diabetes, right. They have to be more careful with carbohydrates. Um, and so it's maybe not something that is really health promoting for them. However, somebody that's like an ultra runner or very athletic carb, you need carbs, your body needs carbs. And so that's something that's good for them. And so the, the idea is that there is no one size fits all approach and it allows you a way to learn to trust what your body is telling you. So um, yes, choosing food that is healthy for you is fantastic. And also um, we think that there is room for things that also just taste good, (laughs) even if they're not necessarily good for you, because if you eliminate every treat every indulgence then you start getting into this deprivation mindset and what happens is people can't sustain that and And so binge eat exactly so and you feel
0: worse
1: yes and then then you end up right back where you started
0: or or further behind
1: yes (laughs) exactly so it's really about finding that balance that honors your body and what it needs nutritionally and also your mind and being able to enjoy food because you know food is fuel yes but it's also a lot of other things it can be joy it's experiencing different cultures it's connection with other people you know you think about all of the events and everything that we do that's around food oh, yeah. and and like to... we're
2: going to have a big meal <laughs>
1: exactly my whole family our love language is food <laughs> and <laughs> so if i was really strict about my diet which I was at some point um, I would be missing out on a lot and so you see everybody really...
0: eating the pumpkin pie and you're just like
1: oh, oh. yes <laughs> well and there's even like to the point of like bringing my own meal places because I didn't know what was going to be available or it didn't like fit whatever plan I was on um, i bringing
0: my salad to the barbecue thank you you have your e- meat I will refuse
1: yes exactly <laughs> which then hurts
0: relationships which yes.
1: And then you also have like just a lot of resentment, and if you do eat something that's off plan, then you're like piling on the guilt and the shame and feeling terrible about it, and that's causing stress in your body. Is that really good for you? Like, if it, the goal is the to be healthy, and you're like, "Bat <laughs> Benjamin, Bat Benjamin, I exactly, not be that. <laughs> exactly, yeah," the, the pursuit of physical health through diet exercise should not come at the expense of your mental health and your emotional health.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Well, it was interesting. Um, I've got two thoughts here. One real quick is that I had a friend um, that he was on the swim team. And he told me he's like, yeah, before swim meets, we would have a pasta night the night before where it was just everyone bring your favorite pasta, we're just going to pile those carbs in. And he says, But we shamed anyone who brought soda. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we don't need that, but bring the carbs on.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then, you know, for eating lunch at work, you know, to try and save a little bit of money by not going out to eat every day. I like go to the supermarket and get some stuff. And, you know, I usually go to Costco and just get like, I have like three or four different things that I'll like rotate between. And the last time I went to Costco, I'm just like... I need something different
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so
0: um, <laughs> i went to just a local grocery market and was like okay um go with that that's cheap and it was this chicken corn on blue microwave something and after eating it yesterday it just went like right through my system and i'm just like that one was not good for me
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like
0: maybe cheaper isn't necessarily better
2: Huh. yeah <laughs> I,
0: I knew that before but it was like <laughs> a hmm I need to figure out what is good for me and not just what is good for only my wallet
1: right exactly and there is a lot of balance between like uh like especially people that are clean platers right like where they they got to clean the whole plate or eat everything like or you go out to a restaurant you're like i paid for this meal i have to eat it all to get my money's worth yeah
0: especially a buffet
1: yes exactly like you know
0: other places doggy bags but even some people don't like those for whatever reason but Mm -hmm. i remember going like sushi buffet and i'm just like i have to eat at least this many or i may as well have just bought a set amount
2: Mm
1: mm-hmm yeah, and like when you're making a, a decision, whether it's conscious or not, you're basically putting economics ahead of your own health and well-being. Right. And it's like our our body, our health is the one thing that we are going to have for the rest of our life, you know, no matter what. And it's something that deserves to be treated with respect and kindness and cared for uh, more than saving you know, or getting your money's worth at, at the buffet line, right?
0: Well, and the thing people rarely consider is if you feel better, you will be in a position better to earn more money.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: And yeah. you know, that involves thinking beyond just getting a paycheck as well. Mm-hmm. But even within just getting a paycheck, when you feel better, you can do more, which incentivizes those above you to give you raises.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, and what's really interesting is like when we look at the like top five indicators of health, most people go straight to diet and exercise. Like, what are you eating, and how are you moving your body? But the reality is, is that the number one indicator of health is your genetics. It's just the cards you're dealt with when you're born. You know, based off of all that, the number two thing is your socioeconomic status, and Hmm. so we do have you know some control over that. Not a ton. You know, some of it is just luck of the draw. (laughs) The the life that you're born into but we do also have control over that so people that um, have more money tend to have better health um, and it makes it easier for them to also move up uh, the socioeconomics scale as well so it's kind of interesting to think about um, sometimes the people that do struggle the most with their health is because they don't have access to the resources um, or they don't have the time because they're Working a lot of jobs, it's just an interesting thing to think about—chicken um, egg situation on oh, yeah. health and and money.
0: And I just had an interesting thought with that: start with the pea-sized egg or pea-sized chicken, and then work yourself up Do you know blueberry-sized one, a grape-sized one, until you get up to the egg-sized one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like that example because you know we always whenever you hear that example, it's like, oh, like, it's impossible. It's like, Mm -hmm. not quite. You just need to insert yourself into the cycle and say, from here on, it will improve. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Whether or not it's drastic, doesn't matter, but make it consistent.
1: Right. Yeah. And the, the small improvements over time are the things that are going to feel easy and sustainable. And, you know, a lot of people get into that, okay, I've got to improve my health. That means I have to completely overhaul what I'm eating. That means I have to completely like start a new workout plan and go to the gym five days a week for an hour. And we get very all or nothing with it. And the reality is, is that if we're making small, consistent changes over time, that's when we're actually going to have the biggest Result because it's going to build on itself. I think. Um. I have you read Atomic Habits by James Clear.
0: Literally it's, in process of reading it. Right it now. is
1: fantastic, and I think he and I can never remember the math, but it's like if you have one percent improvements every single day for a year, you end up like one hundred and thirty-seven percent, 36, 36, like 36
0: times better.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which and is, if you do one uh,
0: percent worse each day, then you end up like just over, like. I think it's less than point zero one percent
1: Yeah. So it's just making those little shifts. Like I would rather see somebody, um, you know, instead of completely changing what they're eating, um, maybe it's like just add a serving of vegetables <laughs> that day. And, and like, right. if you just like, just start with that. And oh, once or, you get the hang of that.
0: Or like change from your bottle or cup of Coke or Pepsi or, soda or however you call it wherever you live (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and change it to a glass of water one a day like Mm -hmm. or you know you only get a half Mm
2: -hmm. of
0: however much you normally drink or whatever
1: exactly exactly i I was just talking with
0: a co-worker yesterday and he's like yeah like i need to like stop drinking so much coke So I think I'm going to go to Coke Zero and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that ends up with like worse health results, but I don't have research on that. It just seems like I've heard that. But, um, so I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't you just like cut out one, like a week and switch for Mm -hmm. water instead of trying to change everything to Coke Zero and then change everything to water.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. It's hard because, you know, different things work for different people. And so, you know, if, switching to Coke zero is the thing. Like it's definitely, it's going to be, you know, fewer calories and fewer grams of sugar, but then you're getting the trade-off of the artificial sweeteners. And, you know, so there's always trade-offs. But yeah, it's, it's tricky because our brain is immediately going to the go big or go home.
0: (laughs) Right. And I've seen that a ton with this coworker. So I'm like, and I've tried to help him with other things. So it's not like I'm going to be like this is how you do it.
2: Mm Because, you know,
0: he kind of hasn't paid attention when I've said that before. So, but, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: if he asks, I'll be like, you know, try this instead. It will work better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the other things that can be really interesting when you're working with people is to get really clear on why it's important to make the change. You know, a lot of people will just say, oh yeah, I really need to do this thing. And they're really only saying it because they read somewhere. Yeah. They read somewhere that, you know they shouldn't be doing this thing that they're doing and they're not really committed to actually changing it they're just like oh yeah I feel like I should but when you start getting
0: made me feel bad
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I know I Mm -hmm. want to change it but I'm Mm -hmm. only going to pay you I'm not going to do the work
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but if
1: you if you start getting curious and like figuring out like why okay, like why do you want to quit coke or pepsi or whatever like is it making you feel bad is it causing like a sugar spike that and crash and burn what's what is the challenge and getting really clear on like what's the pain point to be like okay like that's why we actually want to make this change instead of just being like yeah shoulda woulda coulda <laughs> right
2: yeah
0: so tailing back to where you kind of started us off you said that you were kind of the one person we'd have gone through all this so Mm -hmm. would you mind sharing a little bit of that story of like when you like I don't know maybe a little bit before you started paying attention to it and then like through all the muck and trial and grime (laughs) and then the oh wait this is how it actually works yeah
1: yeah so I am um I think my story is very typically average American Um, girl growing up. I had a mom that was dieting all the time. And so that's just like what I was trained into. I saw her do Weight Watchers and Atkins and um, we had all the diet foods, the low fat, no fat. I can't believe it's not butter, you know, all of whatever it was, that was um, the diet foods. And she was also in the military. And so she was in a unique position where she literally had to maintain a certain weight to keep her job. Um, And so, yeah, so she was always trying to fit their, their, I think they based it off of the BMI chart, which is uh, inaccurate and should never be used. <laughs> don't ever <laughs> rely on the BMI chart. Um, but she was always trying to like, sh- she struggled a lot to always make, make weight and be in um, the fitness range that they needed. Cause she was just very built, very different. You know, she was just kind of short and more muscular and they don't take that into consideration. They're just like height, weight, you know, and that's it. Um, it didn't matter that she could do more push ups than the airmen that she was <laughs> supervising. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, that's a whole different thing. But so that's like the impression I had of like food and like you just, that's what you did and you struggle. <laughs> Women just struggle with their weight and you have to stay a certain size. I, and I never
0: ask a woman her weight and never absolutely ask her, her age, which is a different <laughs> thing. But
1: <laughs> yes. Well, and, and then when I, you know, I didn't have to worry about food as a kid. I was very active. I always did sports each, you know, I was triathlete and doing all this. And then when I went to college, um, things kind of went off the rails. My activity decreased quite a bit, and the food because consumption... you no longer
0: getting paid to do it. Well, <laughs> you weren't getting paid to do it before, but you like have to be paid to do it in college, and so
1: yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I did a little bit of intramural stuff, but the, it just it was definitely not to the same degree. And of course, things like pizza and burgers, and you know, I worked at Subway, so I had it, like and unlimited that's what access. everyone always
0: gets for the parties, <laughs> like, yes. dude, having a party.
1: Yeah, well, and I, you know, was kind of a broke college student, so wherever I could get free food, I took advantage of it, and I ate really, you know, the next
0: party? Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Cheap processed foods, you know, I did the top ramen, instant mashed potato, you know, all just I didn't have a good foundation for nutrition. I,
0: I can still do like not the name brand top ramen, but I can do like instant ramens, but Mm -hmm. instant mashed potatoes, I cannot stand.
1: (laughs) I can't either, but it's, Uh. you know, get them on sale when you're a a 19 year old putting yourself through college. That's just what you did. And That was um, it was fine, but I did you know obviously gain quite a bit of weight, and um, when I finally had enough of it and was like, okay, I actually can't afford to go buy all new clothes. Um, <laughs> I need to lose weight. I just repeated what I knew, and that was you know exercising um, to an unhealthy degree. You know, trying to burn calories to earn food did a lot of calorie counting was my big thing um and so I was under eating and over exercising and I would often get like that initial weight loss and then I would stall and then it's like okay now I gotta like retool do more exercise and cut the calories even more because that's like you're just drilled into you it's calories in calories out if you're not losing weight it's because you're eating too much and you know just on and on and um I probably was Eating enough, but it was very much that binging of like I would under eat all week, and then Friday night would come around, and I would lose all self control and uh, go off the rails completely, and probably eat enough for to hold me over for a whole week, and that was my pattern. And um, it was years and years of frustration and spending.
0: So, so treating yourself like a bear instead of like human.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was <laughs> not Get ready
0: for the winter of this coming week
1: pretty much. Um, but I didn't even have that awareness about that's what was happening. Um, but then as I started to like, I just did this over and over and over, you know, and I'd get frustrated and then I'd be off my diet and then I would get frustrated because I was gaining weight again. And I'd go back on the diet and just repeat this for years and would spend all this time calorie counting and looking for the healthiest recipes. And I started, um getting into nutrition and like actually like okay what is it that I like actually need to be doing it's not just the calories it's like am I getting enough protein am I getting enough fiber and um eventually found my way into intuitive eating and this idea of it's called health at every size that um the scale is not the only metric to measure your health by which was the only thing I was using as like a measure of success was like how much do I weigh, and on that BMI um. chart, right? Like on the BMI chart, I was always like overweight or even into the obese category, and because I'm also built a lot like my mother, where we're muscular and um, stockier, <laughs> we're good hardy stock. Um, but I was, and I would even go to the doctors and be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm overweight! Like, what do I do?" And they're just like, "Eat less, move more," and it was just terrible. And so starting to look into the research of like, oh, and I have a, my degrees in biology. So I am science minded. Um, and so I started actually looking into the research and turns out diets don't work. <laughs> There's studies Ta-da. that are like, yeah, it's like 95 to 98% of all diets fail, meaning wow. that whoever goes on a diet uh, will regain the weight within five years. And 60% of those people gain back even more than they lost to begin with. And so I went down a rabbit hole <laughs> and I uh, was like I have been told lies my entire life um and starting to redefine health uh as something separate than what the scale says. So I started looking at things like my energy levels, how am I sleeping, how am I able to manage stress, like that mental health piece as well. How do I feel in my body um not just based on the physical outside appearance which is again just like what we've been trained into the focus especially for women is like you gotta look a certain way and if you don't you're wrong or you're bad so
2: yeah
0: um Yeah. that's Societal stigmas.
2: Yes, exactly. And
0: stereotypes. (laughs) Yes. Let's go. And when I say that, I mean, let's get them gone.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, well, now that's my, my life's work is um, dismantling diet culture. And um, I also do a lot of like body image coaching and uh, helping women kind of define themselves outside of what their body looks like. So it's been a journey but in a long one, um, but one that's well worth it. And it's especially challenging because I previously identified as a perfectionist (laughs) and a rule follower and really somebody that thrived on structure. And so going into the world of intuitive eating and breaking up with everything that I knew to be true was incredibly confronting, um, and having to basically figure out Like what works for me? If I'm not following anybody else's rules, what rules am I following? And trying to create that for myself instead of playing by somebody else's playbook.
0: So it sounds like you not only went down the rabbit hole, but you also went through the looking glass and looked at yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, so much therapy, so much coaching. (laughs) We looked at all the things and I think it's important work to do to recognize like what has us where we are to start with. Right. You know, I didn't have that awareness when I was going through it. Um, But going through therapy and coaching and be like, Oh, I now see that like my mother's Habits left an impression on me, and oh, I see that my entire life I was only complimented on being, you know, the good girl and getting good grades and looking the part. And you know, um, I actually and, had and you
0: make- are always discomplimented, however the actual word for that is mm-hmm. for being yourself.
1: Yes, right? exactly. Yes, like and- how
0: dare you? act out quotation marks. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, act myself. And,
1: what? Yeah. And, you know, even growing up in a military household, it was very structured and mm. like, you knew your place and you knew what you were going to do. And I was the first person to go to college in my family. And it was like, from the moment I started walking and talking, that's what my path was in life. Your, your and, directive. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so the idea of kind of fucking the system um, which is what anybody's doing when they're saying hey actually diet culture and medical uh advice is not working for me yeah. um it's very just uncomfortable um very uncomfortable
0: well especially because you're breaking generations mm-hmm. worth yes. of habits worldviews, paradigms mm-hmm. thoughts Actions like all of it, the whole kit and caboodle. You're saying, Dude, love you, thank you for bringing me to the world, but I ain't (laughs) leaving the way you are.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Things are going to look
0: different for your grandkids or great grandkids or great great grand, you know, however far back, mm -hmm. than they did for you and even just my parents. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody has got to be the person to do, do the hard work to get there. And um, it's actually really cool. I just finished uh, an intuitive eating group coaching program and my mom was part of it.
2: It was
1: really fun um, to, you know, just the role shift of, you know, she was always kind of like the teacher of, you know, when I was growing up Um, now I got to be the teacher and help her start shifting. And it was just this really beautiful uh experience for both of us to be able to start also shifting that kind of back the other way as well and future generations of course
0: absolutely yeah i i can sense that there's going to be at least one if not many ways in the near future that i i'm going to have that same thing with at least my dad maybe my mom where i'll be like i am the teacher now
2: Mm -hmm. And I'm
0: not going to be, you know, puffed up, egotistical about it, but I am the teacher now.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about it and, you know, she's part of, um, I have a a free group on Facebook and so she's been in there and kind of starting to absorb everything just from being in around my influence. And um, I was actually visiting her when I was getting ready to launch the other group. And I was like, you should do it. And she's like, Wouldn't that be weird? I'm like, no, (laughs) I would love it. (laughs) It'll be
2: great, trust
1: me. It'll be great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and we we had such a good experience, and um, I actually interviewed her uh, earlier this week, last week. Time is weird right now, Um, and it was just really, really fun to do. That's awesome. I
2: love
0: -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and the kudos to them that they raised people that whether they intended to or not, ended up being free thinkers, right? Mm -hmm. You know, my parents very much instilled in me a free thinker mentality. For crying out loud, I was homeschooled my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Want to buck the system? Let's start here. Page one. (laughs) School.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, it
1: would have been really easy for me to be mad at her and resent her for the influence that she did have on my relationship with food and my body, and um, you know, I could have been just angry, like, "How could you?" You know, talk bad about your body in front of a, a your young daughter that's like trying to learn to be in her body. But I just, I have so much compassion and empathy for her. You know, she's yeah. a product of her environment, and we're all doing the best we can with the tools that we have. And um, I really excited
0: i got to give her more tools <laughs> that's awesome yeah well and that's the thing with anyone is like you take what you know you improve it you help the next person and maybe the next person is somebody helped you previously that's okay mm-hmm. yeah like,
2: yeah you
0: know it's not like any one person has all the knowledge in the world and is the go-to for everything and you know oh well nobody can help you you have it all together it's like Please, did you see me
1: (laughs) absolutely do not have it all together i am a hot mess (laughs) but i have this one thing figured out
0: (laughs) right even um what's his name john c maxwell like the huge personal development communication guy um i was you know getting some of his stuff and he was talking about like you wouldn't want to read my first book Hmm he's like when i started i didn't know what was up and i'm just like dude kudos to you for recognizing that and being able to like flat out be like i didn't know Mm -hmm. like not like a "Mm, no i'm all that and more and i've been that way since
2: i was 12 (laughs) yeah well we figure it out as we go
1: we often don't get that perspective you know i think uh i follow some t- tony robbins stuff and like his first seminars he literally had like one person show up you know? <laughs> and it's like okay we all start somewhere and well, i think well learning... and
0: you probably wouldn't have wanted to hear him then
1: oh no because probably not
0: <laughs> you know sure he's now this great motivational like get it done type guy but back then like you know i don't know but it was probably like I'm just barely figuring things out. And this, I'll tell you five things and one of them will work because I don't know. Like, again, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was his story, but that's mm-hmm. plenty of other people's stories. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I like to, um, I use this analogy a lot. I like to remind people about having a beginner's mindset with like any thing that they're doing that includes like new ideas <laughs> and like yeah. new processes. Is like It's like learning to drive a car. The first time you learn to drive, you have to think about literally every single step. You're like, okay, what's the right key? How does it go in? You know, I have to have the brake on. Wait, check how, on the, you how know, like, times
0: do I click it? Oh, stop holding yeah. it.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like everything is, you just have to pay attention to every single little thing. And it's going to be perky jerky, a really rough ride. You're probably going to kill the car, especially if it's a, it's a manual. You're going to kill the car for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just tough, but you get to a point, maybe even just like a year later where you literally show up somewhere and you can't even remember how you got there (laughs) and you're just on autopilot and it's so easy. And I think that perspective like shifts things with people like, Oh, okay. This is just part of the process. It's okay to suck (laughs) and to to not be great at something right out the gate and we just forget because I think there's like this period in our life as we get older where we don't have a lot of like new things we have to learn and we forget what it's like to be that beginner
0: yeah well like you bring up driving I didn't have my license until I was 21 I believe it Mm -hmm. was because I just didn't care you know Mm -hmm. when I was 16 I'm like I can walk everywhere I need (laughs) <laughs> and i'm not part of the generation that was like the license is your ticket into manhood and adulthood. i okay. was just like dude i can walk everywhere if i can't walk i can bike if not the rear occasion i can get a ride my parents are willing to or if not i can find somebody else and then it was when my parents stopped being willing to that i was like oh i need to do this now hmm. <laughs> but even at 21 years old when i was learning it was like the you know Shifting my, head, shifting my 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 head instead of like just flowing, like quick glance, mm-hmm. quick, glance quick glance, quick glance to check the mirrors or, and to start out with it.
2: Yeah.
0: Back focused on the road. Okay. That was way then you know, doesn't. That was way too long. Uh how do I improve this then?
1: It just takes practice. And it, and it takes uh just being intentional with it and um, being willing to like do it over and over and over again um, you
0: know it's and the key that you get from driving you know not the car key but a key, learning key <laughs> that you get from driving that I think we ignore way too often in any other form of learning is where do you start learning to drive the interstate or the parking lot mm-hmm. I, I mean I know there are people who do started on the interstate which is terrible on whoever was teaching them's part but you know they did almost everyone starts in the parking lot because why Mm -hmm. because it's a controlled environment yes when you're learning something new how can you create Mm -hmm. a controlled environment where you're not going to crash into things and there's somebody there at your side saying this is how you do it
1: well and i think that's the key is like having the guide You know, you have somebody that's literally teaching you step by step what you need to do, and that's often missing (laughs) in when we're trying a new endeavor, unless you're like looking for a course or a coach or a teacher or something specific, but most of the things that we're learning as adults, that's not the way we learn.
0: Right. Well, Well, and you consider too, when people are just like, I'll just read books. It's like, that's great. If you can, awesome, do that. But taking that right back to the driving analogy, are you going to read a book on how to drive? Or are you going to have somebody in the driver's seat? Obviously, there's laws about that, but you know, just
2: (laughs) for example's sake, having the theoretical,
0: like turn hand over hand. Oh, shoot, I didn't break.
1: Yeah, having the theoretical knowledge is very different than implementation.
0: And it's different from having somebody there who's been Mm -hmm. there before
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) welcome to the world of coaching and mentorship
1: (laughs) yes it's a beautiful world
0: (laughs) no we're not going to sell you on everything but yes we can help
2: (laughs) yes
1: yeah i like to say that um, getting a coach is basically just fast tracking your success. Oh, yeah. That's all it is. It's just a shortcut. Um, yes, you can do anything you set your mind to on your own. Um, but having a support system and a guide and somebody that like, if it's something really specific, like what I do, having a subject matter expert is going to just get you there a whole lot faster.
0: Oh yeah. Well, like I mentioned, I started going to the gym a couple months ago and when I went there, I went the first couple of times and I'm just like looking around. I don't know how to use these machines. Treadmill it is, or dumbbells it is. And then finally it got to the point, you know, it was only like my second week or so, but it got to the point where I was like, either I'm going to hire a coach to personal train me, or I'm never going to use these machines because I don't want to break myself.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I hired a coach. Really
0: mm-hmm. what a novel concept. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I and I never I, would have considered doing that years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Unless like I have all of the knowledge to create like ideal workout plans and all of that. Like I can do that in my sleep, but I still have a trainer because I don't want to have to put in that effort <laughs> and I get to just like show up and tell me what to do. And he's like my biggest cheerleader. And he pushes me beyond the limits that I would have for myself. You know, I see him throwing on, you know, 45 pound plates on the the barbell. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, like, you got this. (laughs) He's like, you got this. Man up. (laughs) And um, It's not something I would, I wouldn't push myself to the same limits, but having him hold the belief For me of what is possible for me so because your brain will do everything in its power to keep you safe and comfortable and having somebody within that (laughs) no it's not it's like what i don't think so we don't do this
0: (laughs) we do ice cream brownies and netflix
1: (laughs) yes but once you get um get going with working out and you start getting those wins and you do start getting the energy. If you're one of those crazy people that gets the endorphin hit from cardio, I don't know who those people are. It's not me, but apparently they exist for me. I'm uh, more a junkie for the strength training because I love seeing the gains and the accomplishment and being able to go in and lift more and do more reps. And that feeling of strength is really empowering. And like, that's what keeps me consistently going, is because okay. it just feels really good to have
2: that sense of accomplishment.
0: Well, I got to say, it was like two Saturdays ago. I went swimming for the first time since I'd gone, been going to the gym. And, you know, I went with my wife and a couple of friends. So it wasn't like we were like, you know, training swimming or like lap swimming. It was, you know, mm-hmm. go to the rec center, have some fun. But as you're doing that, you're going to need to swim to the edge of the pool every now and then. And I get to this one point where I do a decent distance, and I'm just like, "That was so easy. I love going to the gym."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I mentioned that, and the other guy friend, he's just like, "Meanwhile, me here with my kegs." <laughs> and you know, it's like relatively small, but it's still like protruding mm-hmm. his belly. And I'm just like, Dude, "Like, you got to hit up the gym with me." He's like, "Nah," and I'm just like. <laughs> you have no idea what you're missing. You have yeah. no idea
2: at all.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, finding the thing that brings you joy when it comes to movement is the most important piece and, you know, the gym isn't for everybody, but that doesn't mean that you got to write off right. movement entirely. Um, you know, so I'm not
0: going to the gym, do something.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, the downside of our our current environment is that we're all sitting so much you know we sit for work most of us and we're sitting in the car commuting and then we're coming home and we're sitting <laughs> watching Netflix um you know there's just so much sitting and our bodies weren't designed to sit that much and so even just little things of getting up for a walk you know every hour or um, you know taking so cliche but taking the stairs or parking further away, like getting those steps in and movement in where you can, can have us again, those 1% improvements can have a significant impact. If even if they, you know, the idea of going to the gym is like, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> well, well, that's where my wife is. She's like, I don't want to go to the gym. And I'm like, fine, just do something. Like mm-hmm. we have yoga mats, you know, there's parks around walk. There, you, you have your bike, you have a helmet now. And, you know, nothing against her that you know she is or isn't doing that but i'm just like dude like you have no idea how good it feels to feel good (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: well and you know our the way our brain is wired i'm sure you know is that it will do anything in its power to avoid pain or pursue pleasure and so if going to the gym is perceived pain which it is then of course you're not going to go do that thing until you can get to that point of associating it with something pleasurable or staying where you are becomes painful right, right. you know the the inactivity maybe it's uh unwanted weight gain for people maybe it is um you know having aches and pains and you know things happening because you're not moving that has to become painful enough for us to actually Take action and, and do something about it.
0: Yeah. It's like, why does my elbow hurt?
2: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't use <laughs> mm-hmm. it. Actually, an interesting. Um, when I started working out, my right wrist would hurt. Mm. And I was like, huh, I know this is for two reasons. One, I use a mouse way more than I do anything else with my wrist. Two, I don't use my wrist a lot, it doesn't have a lot of strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just busted out like, you know, 20 push-ups within the first couple of minutes um, with my trainer yesterday. And it didn't even occur to me that it wasn't hurting. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we started training, I'm just like, uh, this is hurting. He's like, okay, how can we just, you know, accommodate this? And he's like, okay, try this, try this, try this. And yesterday mm-hmm. was just, boom.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it's only just now I'm like, well, wait, it doesn't hurt anymore.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah, I think our bodies are are pretty cool at telling us, you know, what it needs, right? And we just have to learn to listen and figure out, decipher it, right? <laughs> we almost need like a, a manual for, okay, what does this pain mean? Um, but it's it's always just a signal for us to try and get us to do something.
0: Right. Well, and the beautiful thing is there are books about that. Mm-hmm. You know, one that I know of is Heal Your Body by Louise Hay. Mm-hmm. You may or may not subscribe to her thoughts on it, but there's other ones out Mm -hmm. there that can tell you. Mm -hmm. You don't like her, go find somebody else's. If you do like her, it's great, use it.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things that we use a lot in intuitive eating is this idea of um, becoming a basically like a scientist, uh, observing your body. And, you know, so I'll joke, like put on your science goggles, put on your lab coat and just get curious about why something is happening. You know, a lot of the times we operate in autopilot because we're just so busy and go, go, go. And, you know, we may have the, Oh, my, my wrist really hurts, but we don't actually like take that beat to figure out why we're just like, that's irritating and move on with our day. But if, you know, a Scientists would observe it and be like, oh, okay, like it may be that I'm using a mouse. It may be that I'm like doing new exercises. Uh, maybe my maybe my form is wrong, or like maybe I just slept on it, finding it could be a number of things. Um, and getting that data to start testing. And in that, not judging it, not criticizing it, not like being like, man, I really screwed up today, just being that non-biased observer and start troubleshooting things because your body you're going to be your body's best expert um and even if you read something in a book that might seem helpful it also needs to be tested for yourself because everybody right. is different
0: so. well, well and that's you know where i love we going back to what you're talking about to begin with about intuitive eating for some people, carbs is the answer. For other people's, it is not the answer. For mm-hmm. some people, broccoli is the answer. For other people, broccoli is not the answer. For mm-hmm. myself, I don't care. Actually, I can barely stand the taste or texture of coconut. Mm-hmm. I don't like eating celery unless mm-hmm. it's unless I can't unless it's only the flavor there, if that makes sense. Like I can't tell there's like
1: I don't like it all. It, yeah, it's the just, flavor, the texture, everything. Put, put it into I, a stir
0: fry and make it invisible, yeah. as it were. Like great, but like ants in a log? No, thank you. No. Yes, I love eating water with strings attached. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, there's actually been um some really cool studies done that like if you are enjoying your food, your body absorbs the nutrients better. So like, oh, instead of eating like a plain pizza like this is diet food is like, oh, plain chicken breast with steamed broccoli and maybe some brown rice or something that's like boring, right? Um, your body is not going to extract the nutrients as much versus like, maybe you had the chicken with like, a nice, like glaze on it or something of a flavor. Maybe you roasted the broccoli and put a little Parmesan on it instead of steam, like That your body's gonna be like, ooh, cool. (laughs) Like we're down with that. We're going to spend more um to extract the nutrients on that. And it has to do with like your nervous system response. Um, but that's like just a really cool random nugget that I was like, oh, you mean my body is actually going to benefit if I eat food that I enjoy?
2: No, blew my mind.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. And I'm curious if I've heard similar to that before, but in any case, I love that.
2: Mm -hmm. It also
0: goes to why it's better to be mindful of when you eat instead of eating in front of the computer, eating in front of the TV.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's actually one of the things that, um, people often want to change their diet, change what they're eating first of like, okay, out with the ice cream and the chips and all that. Um, but I actually start people with changing how they eat first. So, uh, the distractions? Are we eating on the go? Are we endlessly scrolling Facebook (laughs) while we're eating, which is very stressful some days? Um, Mm. How much time are you taking to eat? Right? Are you actually like chewing your food all the way? Are you you putting your fork down? Are you like, what kind of state are you in? Are you stressed or relaxed? All of those things have such a big impact on your digestion and your health. More so than the food that you're actually eating.
0: It makes me think about how I eat breakfast on work days. <laughs> I'm a night owl, mm. which is an excuse for this, but it's been a very effective excuse. I've been eating breakfast in the car for probably three months. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm a change of that.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, I, again, the 1% improvements, right. Right. So um, it doesn't even necessarily have to be like every day, like just start with, okay, maybe on Mondays to start the week, we're going to commit to getting up five minutes earlier (laughs) to eat breakfast before we leave the house. And um, then if you do it the other days, it's a bonus. And if not, like, Cool. And what's yeah, yeah. that's
0: down pat the Tuesday and what's that's mm-hmm. down pat Wednesday? And once that's mm-hmm. down pat Thursday, and what's that's down mm-hmm. pat Friday? Oh, boom, what's the next thing? Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's it's definitely not about being perfect, right? Like we all live a complicated life and there's gonna be things that come up and there's gonna be times that I eat in my car, and that's cool. There's gonna be times where I let myself get too hungry and I overdo it, and that's okay. Uh, we just want to be really aware of like when it's becoming a pattern that isn't serving us, right? The the one-offs here and there and stuff, that's not a big deal. Uh, there is some practicality involved with eating. Um, but when it's that habit and we're noticing negative side effects from it, um, then we just want to take a closer look and start getting curious about how this started and mm-hmm. what to shift.
0: Well, and even I could go from the other route of get to sleep earlier so that it's easier mm-hmm. to wake up early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you start to, you know, put your scientist goggles on, your lab coat yep. on. It's like, all righty, let's take a deep dive at this. Peering over my life, in particular, this one area. And I'm just like, brilliant. What can I do? There's something here. Oh, brilliant. That's one thing. Take that, put it off to the side, write it down bend it. But Oh, there's a second thing. Third thing. And it seems to be, oh, one last thing. Brilliant. And it seems to be about it. Okay. I already have four options for how to improve this. And now what do I do? I choose one and work
2: on it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And having that like trial and error mindset, right. Of like, okay, you know, I have people that like, okay, this is like the thing I'm going to commit to this week. And then we meet the following week and it just didn't happen. And that's not an opportunity to now beat ourselves up for not doing the thing that we said we were going to do. It's just, again, a time to get curious about like, okay, what didn't work in that? What can we like try instead? Um, What can we shift around to make it work? Or it's just that? or is it just, that's not a thing that you're committed to changing right now. And that's cool too. We'll find something else.
0: Which is, you know, you maybe you get three or four options like I was just talking about that you notice you can change or mm-hmm. like we just demonstrated I could Mondays wake up five minutes earlier or see how I can start going to bed earlier. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, of those two, what am I willing to change? If none, what other options exist mm-hmm. before me?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, you just get curious. I, I love how you say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: That's great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's the thing is that we're all just a little too hard on ourselves. You know, we're, we're so quick to beat ourselves up if we didn't do something just right. And, you know, I know that that was me, that um, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And um, I think that learning to just be curious and play around with things, you know, just have childlike curiosity with how we're doing things, why we're doing things um, is a much better approach for life than Berating ourselves <laughs> into submission.
0: Okay. Well, and I've been re- researching recently on how to break negative habits. Or, you know, by that I mean habits that are ultimately a net negative in your life or that you mm-hmm. want to remove for whatever reason. And the person that has made the most sense on the matter is stop demonizing the negative habit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Stop making it this huge evil thing in your life. It's like it must go get curious on why you're doing Mm -hmm. it in the first place Mm -hmm. and then start addressing from there okay Mm -hmm. i'm feeling emotionally blank be that leads me to emotion to buffer with this or try and fill that void or soothe that mound by doing this negative habit okay well we figured that much out now Start looking at why you're either trying to fill or numb that emotion. Okay, how can we address that? And you just, you know, kind of breadcrumb and work yourself back until you get to a manageable starting point.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. From there, exactly.
0: Have you ever heard the example with the glass jar and the rocks and the sand and the water? Yes. (laughs) So, So I'll detail it out for the listeners. But basically, you've got this glass jar or, you know, whatever material, but glass jar. <laughs> and you have all these rocks laid out in front of you. And some of them are like the size of a baseball. Some of them the size of a golf ball. Some of them are just gravel, you know, little small grape sized ones. And then you've got like a chug, good chunk of sand and a bunch of water. And somebody gives you the task, put all this into this glass jar. And the glass jar we're talking about is about the size of a basketball, let's say, like area you can fill. If you immediately put in the sand, And then all the gravel, you're not going to have room for any of the big rocks or maybe one or two. But if you put in the big rocks first and then put in the smaller rocks and then the gravel and then the sand, it will trickle down and fill the empty spaces in between those bigger pieces. And then at the end, even if it's chock full of sand, you can still fill the whole thing and pour like a whole bottle of water onto it. And it'll hold all of it. But if you start with small things first, you know, you're mindlessly scrolling through Facebook, you're watching Netflix, you're, you know, maybe even just, you know, whatever it is. I'd say mindlessly staring off into space, but that can actually be a big rock because it can be really useful to be mindful. But you know, whatever it is, start with those big things first. Mm-hmm. And then get the other ones in there, and you'll find there's still time and space to do the other
2: ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I actually think that like one of the the biggest rock is just your mindset, right? Oh, yeah. Just like how you're thinking about um, things is is one of the biggest components because that'll have a ripple effect to literally everything, and that's what's driving our habits and our behaviors. So having that, building the awareness around um, your thought process around stuff is the number one starting point for anything.
0: And taking that analogy a step further. I I love this connection I made once upon a time. You've heard as well, like, you know, to tear down a mountain or to break this big boulder of a goal or a task. Break it into manageable chunks that Mm -hmm. you could fit into your jar. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of the chunks will fill up half the day, but now that's Mm -hmm. one of the chunks that's not attached to the boulder. You do that enough times, that boulder will have gone into your jars, your days, and will be completed.
1: How do you eat an elephant?
0: One exactly. bite at a time. <laughs> it's saw recipe yeah. for that in a cookbook once <laughs> over the course of six months. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's where that whole breaking up with the all or nothing thinking comes into play. Because yeah, you're not going
0: to fit a boulder into a glass jar. Mm-hmm. But you can fit small pieces into it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's manageable. Yeah. Which means it's doable, which means you can do it today. Exactly. Or if today's already too far spent, you can do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But don't use the procrastinator mindset with that. Be like, okay, can I do it today within reason? Yes, no. Okay. If yes, do it. If no, okay, when can I fit it in tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Or, if you got a really packed schedule, schedule it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's i'm a I'm a big fan of making it really easy getting the most important things on your calendar uh, setting alarms and reminders for <laughs> like anything that you want to be consistently doing make it dummy proof because our brain is not reliable <laughs> to uh, remember everything and also to make that like a priority because when you have that moment when you get help from work and like all you want to do is turn on the the next episode of whatever. Stranger Things or whatever, um, then you're not like, when you make decisions ahead of time and you schedule it, you have your best interests at heart, right? For your future self, so.
0: Well, and I think there's something really funny here too. So the mentor I'm working with right now is really big on celebration, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't celebrate what you're doing, where's your motivation for doing it? Mm-hmm. it's kind of like you were talking about eating a glazed piece of chicken instead of a plain piece of chicken it tasted good or i ate healthy
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: i did the thing or did i do the thing and i celebrated
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: they're always like what are you going to do to celebrate mm-hmm. and there's been a couple of things that i've been like yeah i'm gonna do this to celebrate and it's on my to do list now instead of having just. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got that movie from the library to celebrate. And I still haven't watched it
2: yet. <laughs> it for like a week and- <laughs>
0: it's a movie. You'd think that would be easy to fit into a schedule. Well, not when that schedule's hyper busy, but you know, <laughs> life. like why don't we watch that this afternoon i'm like that's a great idea Then we got busy just talking and then i was like oh the time window has now expired now i have to go to the chiropractor and go to the gym and then get on my podcast episode (laughs) and then i've got a mentoring appointment and then you will fall asleep in the middle of it if we watch later which (laughs) guilty (laughs) (laughs) i'm convinced she just wants to watch movies so she can fall asleep on my lap that's valid, <laughs> and you know, believe her if that's the case. That's great.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I get to watch a movie; she gets to spend time with me. <clears throat> Anyways, that's that's a different aspect of health. It is and emotional health.
2: Yes,
1: it's it all is connected. And when I was going through uh, my certifications, I knew I wanted to do health coaching, but um, I know how much it impacts everything and vice versa they they feed into each other um so it was really important for me to also find a program that was dual health and life certification because you can't have a conversation around food and your habits around food and how you think about your body without looking at your relationships and how you communicate and boundaries and how you prioritize things in your life so Yeah, it's all it's all health, and I think that's one of the things that is most important for people to gather is that your health is more than just what you're putting in the in your mouth and how you're moving your body.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, I saw recently that you know you've got your physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and I usually like to add social aspects Mm -hmm. of your life,
1: and I also add financial
0: health yeah that's true mm-hmm. that's true financials there there's well. you know it could continue but the, those seem to be like the yep. six main categories <laughs> there's probably a seventh to make it a nice number um anyways you've got your health to address your physical you've got your you know emotional well-being um you've got Where I saw it written down, it was all really nice. Like, all of the words ended in TH. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was it? Social was status. Financial was wealth. Anyways, you know, there's there's various things that always get talked about that you can tie back to just that is the parameter of health for this area of your life. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's really good stuff, and when you start paying attention, and like you mentioned the ha- the, comic habits, you start taking those small one percent changes, one percent change improvement every single day for a year, would be thirty six times better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's thirty six point two, but anyways, <laughs> hashtag method. It's so good, and, and I love the intuitive eating you're talking about. I feel like we're about to wrap up here, but anything you'd add before we get to that point?
1: Um, you know, I, I think that my the thing that was the biggest shift for me was this idea of like challenge everything, like challenge everything that you have been taught, everything that you have been taught to believe about yourself, about health, about wellness, about What you should and shouldn't be eating, how you should and shouldn't be moving your body, and get curious about it instead and like figure out what's really going to work for you because you are an amazing human being in and of yourself. And how you operate is not the same as any other human on the face of the planet. So I just want people to feel empowered to define what works for them and not somebody else.
0: And I'd add on top of that, and be willing to stand in that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: For yourself and when necessary against what others would force on you.
2: Yes, it
1: is so hard. I mean, the diet culture is the the predominant uh, culture in the health space. And I often feel like the black sheep (laughs) um, being like, hey, actually, uh, BMI is crap or, you know, like, Hey, restricting our calories is not the long-term solution here. You know, it's, it's definitely well, going against the grain, um, which is uncomfortable, but yeah. you have to feel so strongly about it to be able to, uh, keep fighting the fight.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, even my trainer at the gym, he's like, okay, here's the numbers from the readout BMI ignore that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think people are catching on, um, you know, and I think intuitive eating is going to be Growing. It was created in the 90s by a couple of dietitians um, that saw that their patients weren't getting the results, long-term results that um, they wanted. And it was actually doing more damage to their mental health. Um, and it wasn't healing them from eating disorders and all of that. And so they created the there's 10 principles of intuitive eating that you follow. And um there's been a lot of research that it takes about 30 years for new science to get down into the hands of practitioners. And so we are right around that 30 year mark for mm-hmm. intuitive eating, actually hitting the hands of practicing clinicians. And um, so I'm very hopeful that it's going to become more and more common um, and a, a bigger entry point um, into the medical system. So we're not just all told to lose weight and yeah.
0: Lose weight and take these pills.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a whole nother thing I could go on and
2: on about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we're we're so quick to just treat treat the symptom and not get to you know taking a look at the whole person and what else might be going on and like how are your stress levels? (laughs) You know, how are you sleeping? Like all of these other things that should be answered before just uh, saying lose weight and take this pill.
0: well and you know i've got over 60 episodes on the podcast already where i've talked with guests and intuition is starting to really make its way out of the woodwork Mm -hmm. you know obviously not necessarily specifically in health but once you start on the intuition path Ain't no going back.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it was
0: like, where else can I apply this? Where else can I be intuitive?
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, what's My whole life Really, changed. what's really interesting is that I think, you know, at least for me, when I thought about intuition, it felt very like woo-woo, weird, hippy-dippy, totally like, but I don't totally know. Not. But the thing is that like especially intuitive eating is backed by science. Like there's over 160 scientific articles that have been oh, peer-reviewed that say that it works. And so it's not woo woo hippie stuff. <laughs> this it is actual... back
0: in the 90s.
1: Yeah, when it's I mean not anymore. But they were creating it based off of what they were seeing in
0: it their sounds work like there was a scientific method to come to that conclusion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's
0: hypothesis, it's, let's test it. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Um so it's definitely there's something to it for sure and I have seen it work for uh, you know dozens of people I've worked with so far and myself and, um, countless others. So there's definitely something to it. And what's funny is intuition, everything. I actually adopt, adapted the, uh, 10 principles of intuitive eating to, uh, 10 intuitive business principles of like how I want to run my business in a way that's very similar to how I approach food. So, um, I'm excited about it. And, um, I think it is a a really good guideline for all aspects of life for sure.
0: So how recently did you come up with that?
1: Like two weeks ago. (laughs) I I was going to say,
0: so what's the next? And then I'm like, I feel like this is too new to even think of what the next 10 things is.
1: (laughs) No, no. Yeah. I, and I, I've only got my first draft of it and I'm kind of like sitting on it and, um, but it's, you know, taking a lot of the same principles of intuitive eating and just adapting them for business mindset, because it's the same diet culture lives in the patriarchy and capitalism lives in the patriarchy. And that's like, what we're trained into business is based in capitalism. And um, it doesn't always work for everyone. It's not always the, the best system. So just something interesting I'm toying around with. Creating yeah, my really, own rules. <laughs>
0: recently, I heard about free enterprise. I'm like, wait, isn't this what we started with? How did we switch to capitalism? Free enterprise is awesome. <laughs> you know, that again is another very different topic. A whole other thing. Totally related. <laughs> it, it, it's life. It's,
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh, this thing is totally different, but totally related. This thing is totally different, but totally related. It's like, health. Yes. Any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> If we answer the question of health, you will have answered the question of your life. Uh, oh.
1: I think it's true. I think our health is at the root of everything. You know, it it has an impact on, like you said, like how we show up at work and our ability to earn money and um, how we show up in our relationships and literally everything. Like if you're not feeling great about yourself and your body and how you feel physically, You you just can't do everything else.
0: (laughs) Well, well, yeah, and even... uh, You you know the song Dust in the Wind by Kansas? No, I don't. Okay. It's from like the 80s, but anyways. It totally is probably from the 70s. Anyways, I I know the songs. I don't know where they're from, all you (laughs) music people, but the song at one point says, and all that money would another minute buy? Mm -hmm. And for the longest time I was just like, no, no, mm -mm, mm -mm, never. mm -mm." And recently... I've been like, well, if it meant that you got whatever treatment you needed, yes, it would.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) There's a gold nugget truth bomb for (laughs) you. Well, again, it sounds like we could keep talking for hours, but I think it's probably good to wrap up about here.
1: Okay, sounds good. Thank you for having me,
2: Benjamin.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for being on the show, Leah. And I'm excited for the ripples you're going to be causing and the improvements you're going to be helping. And talking about ripples reminds me of Winston Churchill. He says, you've got enemies. Good. It means you've stood up for something in your life.
2: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) In a totally positive way. I hope you have enemies.
1: (laughs) I absolutely do.
0: (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. And if people wanted to figure out where they could find you, where would they be able to get a hold of you and figure out more about intuitive eating and all that?
1: Yeah. So the best place to find me is my uh, private Facebook group. Um, If you go to www.antidiethealthclub.com, it'll put you right there and just tons of free resources. I go live in there every week and have for a year and a half. So there's a huge library of training videos. Um, yes, a lot on intuitive eating, but also stuff on just general health and things like reducing stress and mind uh, management and uh, communication and dealing with like food at holiday, like all sorts of things. There's so much in there that, um, I've been doing and that will get you to everything else. <laughs> so if you want to, uh, learn how to work with me or get any of my free downloads, I have an intuitive eating journal, um, uh, sugar craving guide, all sorts of stuff. So.
0: Awesome. Well, appreciate it. And again, for the listeners, remember you can rewrite your stars as we're we'll learning here today. Start at health. Or maybe listen to another episode you start somewhere else. But start somewhere. (laughs) Rewrite your stars. And very appreciative of Leah coming on to share her journey and a bunch of tips on how to get started intuitive eating and many other health related things. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hope that you've been able to gain that missing piece or get that gold nugget you've been needing to continue rewriting your life how you want it to work. Until next
2: time, I'm Benjamin Fincher, helping you to rewrite your stars.